We had a good holy week two celebration dealing with the triumphal entry and then, of course, the resurrection. But we've been talking about wholeness, about what it means to be whole as people. And I want to continue to talk about that. So if you have your Bibles, open it up to Psalm chapter 8. I want to read two verses here, verse 4 and 5, and then still in the book of Psalms, to the back of the book, Psalm 139, I'm going to begin reading in just a moment with verse 13. And uh, I've called this lesson this morning, Embracing Your Identity. Embracing Your Identity. Now let me read to you these scriptures as they were written here in the book of Psalms. Psalm 8, verse 4, this is what we read. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him for you have made him and 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 again in your bibles you'll see that's a a small h small capped h you have made him a little lower than the angels some versions actually will say a little lower than god the actual hebrew word there is elohim i do not know why they translated that angels every other time it's translated god so here in psalm 8 it says that We as human beings were created just a little lower than God himself. And you've crowned him with glory and with honor. Now flip over to Psalm 139. And let's read just a couple verses from here as well. Psalm 139 verse 13. Here the psalmist is beginning to write concerning how God created us as human beings. And he writes, for you, meaning the Lord, formed my inward parts. You covered me. The actual word there could be translated wove me. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. I know enough about anatomy and physiology to know that if you look inside of a human being, it's all tangled up to me. I mean, you look at all the veins and the nervous system and the organs and everything that exists within a human being. I mean, it's it's all woven together in in quite a miraculous way so he says you formed my inward parts you wove woven me in my mother's womb verse 14 i will praise you for i am fearfully and wonderfully made it's like they're great at aspects of who we are and there are there are just difficult aspects of who we are it says marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Isn't that cool? The psalmist says... He he says, you think such wonderful things towards us as human beings, as me as an individual. He said, if we would even begin to count them, they would be innumerable. That's kind of an incredible thing when you think about it. That God's thoughts towards you are innumerably incredible. And so we want to talk about embracing our identity. Now, I really believe, I wish we had this on the screen because I'm going to have to go through this quickly. But basically, there are four areas in life that Satan has become adept at attacking us in. Four general areas. Please write fast or get someone who 
We'll take the even numbers and you take the odd ones and you can pick it up later, all right? But number one is, his first area of assault is that he wants to keep people blind of God's plan of salvation and victory. That's his first area of assault. He wants to keep you blind to knowing that God has a a, a reconciling, redemptive thing that he wants to do in your life. And that's where he starts with everybody. He says, let me keep them blind. I don't want them to know that they can be reconciled back to God. I don't want them to know this. So he keeps us blind. Number two, if that doesn't work, he then begins to tempt and ensnare believers into sin and destructive practices. I'll say that again. He wants to tempt and ensnare believers into sin and destructive practices. In other words, let's say he fails at keeping you blind. All of a sudden you see, you hear, you give your life over to Jesus Christ. The enemy says, oh no, oh no, they're now gods. What can I do? I tell you what I'll do. I'll keep them tempted continually and ensnared perpetually into sin and destructive practices. So the victory they heard about will never become a reality. The third area, if that doesn't work, what he does is he will keep believers from experiencing, and and I'll put down here feeling, true freedom and purpose. He wants to keep believers from experiencing or feeling true freedom and purpose. Let's say you get a handle on temptation and you you break out of and you separate yourself from those destructive practices. Then what does he do? Well, now that he kind of gets the out, he, he loses the outward uh, uh, in, entanglements, he now works inwardly and he wants to work inside of you and keep you from feeling God's will, God's purpose, God's freedom, all those wonderful internal aspects of living with the Lord. He's going to do his best to keep those out of your life until finally, number four, if that doesn't work, if number one, two, and three does not work, he finally lands at number four. And I will assure you this morning, here in this congregation, everybody at one time or another has struggled with this particular aspect, and it's an assault from Satan. Number four is, he lies about our identity. He lies about our identity. Now, I don't know if you have realized this, but in the era we live in, this technological era, there is a new aspect of crime that is beginning to take place that some of you have perhaps experienced i hope not i hope not many of you have but it's probably likely that some of you have experienced what they call today identity theft has anybody here just out of curiosity experienced some aspect of identity theft i'm just kind of curious there are a few in this congregation that have experienced it somehow some way somebody has seized a number, a bank account number, a credit card number, a social security number, and they've used it in order to somehow seize your identity and steal something from you or from someone else. Now, I find that interesting because with every natural happening, I think there's always a spiritual root. And it's interesting to me that just as the world now talks about identity theft, and making sure that you're careful about your identity and the issues of your identity, you need to understand there's a spiritual identity theft as well. There's a growing number in our society, especially even in the church, that feels inadequate, they feel inferior, they feel worthless, and unfortunately, Satan exploits that in their life. But you need to understand to be whole means you have to be okay with who God created you to be in him. 
Now, to be whole means that you're fully integrated, you're complete, and that will only happen when you know who you are in him. To not embrace your identity in him, in other words, to feel inferior, will begin to paralyze your potential, it'll destroy your dream, it'll ruin your relationships, and it'll sabotage your kingdom service. Now, I'm going to share this because every time I teach on some of these aspects, I'm I'm coming to find out that for some people, they begin to corrupt. How many of you know that for every truth, there's a corruption? For every truth, there's a counterfeit. And, and so I need to say this just real quickly because what I'm about ready to share with you, if it's misunderstood, can be corrupted. How many of you know that if you teach on confidence and it gets corrupted, that confidence can turn into arrogance or it, it can turn into pride? And so we need to be careful that we don't make something we're, we're teaching with regards to confidence sow into you this sense of arrogance or, 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 or sense of pride. The same can be said for humility. You can teach on humility, which is a good godly concept, but humility can be corrupted into inferiority or into self-deprecation. And, and so I'm, I'm real sensitive to the aspect that whenever we teach on certain subjects, Sometimes people will hear it and they will corrupt it and they'll turn it into something that it was never meant to be. Our current culture tends to exalt pride and arrogance. They tend to exalt promoting of oneself and you can watch shows and how everybody, in fact, I think in the era we live on, there might be this, everybody's feeling a little too good about themselves. I mean, there's this sense, there's this sense of we need to get a little perspective. So if we preach on confidence... What happens is, is we risk feeding the very thing in some people that's already too well fed. So you need to understand and be honest with yourself that if you deal with an overly inflated ego, that probably you don't need more confidence. This should have been a sermon for you on humility. But at the same time, I'm well aware of the fact that there are many people that walk through life totally crushed, Totally were feeling of worthless, totally needing to have that sense of who they are in Christ Jesus. So I'm talking to them. So if you've got big egos, I just you can listen, but I'm going to bring your ego into balance here, okay? For those of you that are self-deprecating or feel worthless, hopefully we can raise you up and help you understand who you are in the Lord. Where do we get our identity from? Where do we get it from? Unfortunately, for most of us, we get it from the world. Most of us get our identity from out there somewhere. And, and I'll just remind you, who controls out there? Yeah, Satan. He is the God of this world. He's the God of the way the world is ordered. And, and unfortunately, sometimes he ordered the environment you and I grew up in. Some, uh, as you might imagine, come into their adult years quite messed up. They lived in terrible situations. They lived in demeaning situations. We're not making judgments upon how they were raised or their parenting, but we all know that, that it is possible and, and, and indeed for many, many people, they grow up in environments that are demeaning and hurtful and they're made to feel inferior. Some people grow up in environments that were quite healthy and good. And you can be grateful if you were one of those that grew up in a great environment. But it's interesting as you begin to listen to people and watch people to see how they define themselves. And just listen sometimes as to how people identify 
themselves and their identity. For instance, some men identify themselves by what they do. They'll identify themselves by their job or their career or their title. You know, I'm, I'm a doctor. I own my own business. I'm a CEO of a large corporation. And uh, the first thing you'll know about them is what they do for a living. A lot of men are like that. That's how they'll define themselves. They'll define themselves by something they have achieved, something they've gained. I've heard ladies define themselves as well. I've heard ladies say, I'm a doctor's wife. I'm a CEO's wife. I'm a homeschool mom. I'm a career mom. They define themselves by what they do. You know, it's really interesting. Most of you don't ever get to do this, but you go to a pastor's conference and listen to see how pastors define themselves. It's fascinating to listen. Hollywood, TV, magazines, all of these things attempt to help us define ourselves as the world wants us to be defined. You know, I want to remind you just of something I was thinking about. I want you to remember that every generation and every culture defines beauty and attractiveness differently. You know, it's it's interesting to me. If you watch old movies, like you'll watch the old Turner Classic Movie Channel or something like that, and you'll start watching movies and you can begin to see kind of culture in a nutshell over the last hundred years or so. But it's interesting how as you watch how the movies work and you watch how people dressed, You watch how they were shaped, how they looked, their hairstyles, all sorts of things. It's amazing to me how through the years people have redefined what is beautiful. I mean, there was a there was an era and a generation that if you were and and I'll be delicate in this regard, if you were a large framed person. I mean, you were considered sexy, man. I mean, I mean, that was the era. Other times, I mean, you have to be anorexic and your ribs have to show and that's considered beautiful. I I just give you another example about culture. Uh, Most of you know in the Japanese culture, they have athletes, and I use that term kind of sparingly, called sumo wrestlers. Now, that's not exactly your normal six-pack stud, you know, that everybody knows what a sumo wrestler is, don't you? I mean, kind of a large individual. And yet in that culture, they're considered sex symbols, very desirable. And I have always said that if you put me in the right culture, in the right century, I am poster material. I was just born in the wrong nation in the wrong time period. I want you to know right now, every single person in this room, if you were born another year and in another place, you would be on a poster somewhere. Keep that in mind. But how many of you know if we allow the world to define all these things, we are going to be insane because few of us will ever fit our era very well. Few of us will ever attain or achieve what it is that the world determines is beautiful during that particular time period. So how do I know? How do I know if I struggle with inferiority? How do I know if I struggle with feelings of worthlessness? Truth is, most people know already whether or not they struggle with it. You don't have to put out too many things to get people to acknowledge this might be an area of their life. I found it interesting as I was thinking about this message in this lesson, I thought about the guys in Matthew chapter 25. As you'll recall, Jesus in that parable gives three gentlemen some talents, they're called. He gives them money. 
I think he gives one ten, one five, and one one. The first two people, the one with ten and the one with five, you know the story. They duplicate what they have and the Lord's real happy with what they've done. And then you get to that final man who was just given one. And uh, we teach that in several different ways and I think you can pull out several different points. But I started to think about that particular parable again and I started to think about that guy. And I understand that you could probably preach on laziness and faithfulness and I have preached those subjects out of that parable before. But there was something else that he said that really fascinated me because he said... When the master came, he was paralyzed by a fear. He said, I knew who you were. I knew that you were an austere man. I knew that you were tough. And there was something inside of him that was was paralyzing. And, And this fear had so paralyzed him that he could not do something with that which was given to him. He he couldn't do even the minimal effort that ultimately he just decided to live in that fear. He decided that he would just freeze at that particular moment and take his chance that somehow if I just if I, if I just stay frozen, I'll still be okay. But how many of you know in that parable, the master, God, was not very happy with what he did with that one particular talent. Now, I'm just going to suggest to you right now that if you live life frozen, if you live life sort of, well, you know, I, I, I'll try not to do much damage, but I, I don't want to do anything that might be of any good and if you don't understand who you are and how God created you to be and you just live frozen, I'm here to tell you it may be that God's not real happy with that particular stand. And, and, and so we need to understand that if we struggle with this, we need to break out, break free, and begin to embrace our identity. Now, I'm going to give you just a couple quick symptoms of what some might call low self-esteem or inferiority. Just a couple quick symptoms so we can begin to identify it. Number one is if, if, if you're feeling worthless, these could be symptoms of all of that happening in your life. Number one, symptom, a dislike of who you are. A dislike of who you are. If you're dealing with sort of the spirit or the feelings of inferiority, these can be signs or symptoms. It could be about how you look, about how your face looks, about how your hair looks about how your hips look, about how your thighs look. You know, some people don't like their name. They always, they always, they, they don't like their name. They don't want their name. They're trying to figure out. I've watched people change their name. They'll flip-flop their names. You know, they were given maybe three or four names and they'll flip-flop through the names depending on what season they're in and how they feel. But, but I wrote down here, it's a secret wish that you could be someone else. A secret wish that you could be someone else. If you face that on a regular basis, there's probably some issues of identity that you need to deal with. Number two, a symptom of inferiority. You're an approval addict or performance-oriented. An approval addict or you're performance-oriented. What do I mean? I mean that you feel better about yourself when somebody tells you that you did good. You feel better about yourself when somebody tells you that you did good. Now, there's nothing wrong with encouragement. There's nothing wrong with exhortation. All these things have an appropriate, proper place. But listen to me very carefully. If you are a black hole, in other words, yes, you'll get encouragement, but it's never enough. Yes, you'll get affirmation, but it's never enough. It it goes in and for a moment, it kind of buoys you up, but then sure as the world, you're back down in the mully grubs. Well, I'm telling you right now, that is an indication that you've got an identity issue. 
If your worth is tied to how you perform, listen to me, if your worth is tied to how you perform, you're in trouble because nobody performs perfectly. So there's going to be identity issues if you're an approval addict or you're performance oriented. Number three, you have issues of identity if you use rebellion as a means to gain attention. Rebellion as a means to gain attention. There are some, when they can't get attention, affirmation, any other way, what they do is they use this perverse way of getting their need met by doing something that's rebellious. You've seen that. If you don't give a child attention, they do something wrong to get your attention. So rebellion can be a sign of an identity issue if it is turned into a perverse way of being noticed. Number four, this can be a symptom. Critical of yourself in front of others. Critical of yourself in front of others. You know why people do that? It's to beat the other person to the remark. What happens is when people do that, they're self-deprecating. A lot of times what that is, if I say it before they say it, then I won't feel rejected, I won't feel hurt, I'll just go ahead and get it out, and somehow it's another universe kind of way again. It's an ability to be able to say, I'll deal with it before I have to hear from someone else deal with it. So oftentimes you'll hear people say, ladies, you'll often say when they'll come in, my hair doesn't look very good today, and and you'll have someone say, oh no, it looks great, it looks fine. Guys will do the same thing. They'll have something, you know, I didn't make, whether it's with sales quotas or or, or business deals or whatever the case, they'll come in and say, I don't think I'm going to get this particular business deal. And someone else will a lot of times step in and and, uh, they'll be able to try to help bolster them up some way or another. It's also a way I found for some people to solicit a compliment that will say something self-deprecating in order that the other person will say, no, you're not that. You're really not that, or, or, or no, I don't think about you that way. Or no, I really think you're a great person. You've seen that new commercial on the cell phone? When they say something and they put some line out there and all of a sudden the cell phone line or the cell phone a connection breaks and they can't hear one another? There's nothing worse than saying something self-deprecating and then hearing silence. <laughs> nothing worse. Because is it not true? If they don't say anything, it must mean they agree with it. Sure, that's what we feel like it means. And then finally, number five, this can be a symptom of inferiority or identity issue, is that you are critical of others to feel better about yourself. You're critical of others to feel better about yourself. In order to feel more worth, what some do is they begin to tear down or they begin to diminish someone else in order to make them feel better about themselves. So in other words, it's like looking for the lowest common denominator. And even though you feel like you're in the bottom of the barrel, you'll find somebody who's just a little bit lower than your bottom. And you tend to say, well, at least I'm not that. At least I'm not them. And so for many people, when they get critical, they're actually demonstrating or manifesting their identity issues because they want to feel better about themselves. Now, now let me just give you a couple things here about embracing your true identity. Now, we read in the Bible from the psalmist that God thinks about us. He's mindful of us. He created us in unique and wonderful ways. He has thoughts toward us that are really good, and he has aspirations and desires and hopes and He wants the best for you and 
He, he has so many things that he would love to do. I want to say again, God is a good God. He wants to do great things in your life. He's got a good will. He's got a good purpose. He's got a good future. The problem isn't that God isn't good or that God's somehow hard. The Lord is the one who says, I've got these good things for you, but you're going to have to be whole. And you're going to have to break out of all those lies and assaults and patterns of the enemy in order that you can get to the good things. You, for instance, you can't practice destructive practices and think you're going to get the benefits of serving a good God. Are you with me? See, you, you, you've got to begin to understand to be whole means I've got to embrace all of God, all of his precept. And, and as I embrace that, I begin to understand it, it will help me in who I am and where God's leading me. And, and we've got to understand that, that as you listen week after week and as you participate in the deliverance processes and the journey processes and the discovery processes and as you go through this we don't throw this stuff out just to keep you busy i mean we throw this out in order to get you to a good purpose in order that you might be a whole human being i had folks through the years just the years we've been doing the vision i'm not picking because they may be seated here this morning and i'm not picking i think i think everybody has finally come to the realization this is important but I've had some look at me and say, I don't, I don't see why I have to memorize scripture. Well, the Bible just says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Wow. You mean if I memorize some scripture, it might keep me out of a snare, a trap, an entanglement? Yep. Yep. So that's why we do some of these things. Now, you don't have to do that. You can do it your own way. You can design your own course. But if you end up crashed, don't blame God. So week after week, it's not just one sermon, one message, one teaching, one lesson. It's not just one thing, but you have to begin to embrace the totality or the comprehensiveness. And I know what some people say. They just say, that's too much. That's too big. No, it's not. You can do that. You can do that. I, I could look at anyone's life in here and look at some area of life that you're an absolute expert in, that you've memorized trivial information, you've done something that no one else has ever done, and you've got the capacity to do all that in order that you might achieve something in that area that you've embraced. I'm here to tell you that if you want a good life with a good God and a good future and a good purpose, you can do this. God didn't create you to fail in this. He created you to succeed. And you can succeed. You've got to want to succeed. I understand that success in this area won't get you on the cover of Cosmopolitan. I understand that. I understand that. I understand that success in this area might not get you on a television program. It might not get you to the major leagues. It might not. I, I understand. But you've got to define success in a, in a real way. I, I, right now, I've got this rabbit trail that I'm seeing right off about here. Anna Nicole Smith. She was on the cover of magazines. She was on the news every night. Her name will forever be etched into the psyche of this generation. She had money that to this day they're fussing over. I don't want that life. I don't want it. I don't want it. So you, you've, you've, got, you've got to embrace it. And can I just tell you, you know what was wrong with Anna Nicole? And, I, and I've just 
There's something in me that's just, it's just sad. Just sad because she never knew who she was. I'll just say she thought she was her chest. Well, that's it's true. Can you say that in church? I just did. That's who she thought she was. That's who everybody convinced her she was. Just sad. What have people convinced you of? I guarantee you, probably what they've said isn't right. What God said is absolutely right. Amen. How do I embrace my true identity? Number one, get out from in front of the wrong mirror. I'll say that again. Get out from in front of the wrong mirror. Years ago, it probably, I don't know if you can, maybe up at Carowinds or another theme park, they have these things. I'm sure they do. But years ago, they had them in the carnival. You'd go to the fun house. And when you'd walk through the fun house, they'd have these mirrors. And you'd stand in front of this mirror. And one of these mirrors would make you look like you were short. And another mirror, you'd stand it and make you look tall. And another mirror would make you look... And another mirror, and you'd go in front of all these mirrors and you'd take a look and maybe you could move up and it would change your appearance and you would step back and then it, you would look a different way and it was called this, this fun house. And, and I, you know, we used to laugh when we go in front of them, you know, because if you made it look real thin, you'd say, I, I'm, boy, I want to take this mirror home with me right here. I want, I want this mirror because I look good in this mirror. But that's not reality. And you've got to figure out what mirror there is that you're standing in front of. Is your mirror the TV set and all the dysfunctionality that goes on with that crowd? Or Hollywood? Or let's just boil it down. Let's just say you're just not into that. How about your next door neighbor? Somebody at school kids? Maybe popular people there? Or how about the, uh, the persona of our city Charleston and kind of what the atmosphere is here. What's the mirror? You've got to get out from in front of the wrong mirror in order that you can begin to see your true identity. Now, listen to me. You may see a few warts. You may see some blemishes. You may see some things that at first you may not like. But can I just say this? That if you've got a big old pimple in the middle of your forehead, God loves you with that pimple. Let me tell you, growing up, praise God. Doesn't matter. You're, I understand how we want to present ourselves the best, look good. We just don't want to be, you know, just totally, you know, non-excellent. I understand all of those things. But you've got to understand what mirror you're looking in where you're getting your affirmation from, who it is that you think you need to impress. What direction do you need to hear the word attaboy from? I'm here to tell you, I understand it is far easier to get your attaboys from the flesh right now than it is sometimes from the Lord. But there's going to come a day that the best affirmation you'll get is well done, good and faithful servant. And you've got to live for that one big affirmation that will forever fill you and will say it's worth everything. So you've got to get out and make the choice. You choose, I'm looking in the wrong mirror. I'm looking in the wrong direction. I'm looking at the wrong crowd. I'm looking at the wrong people. I'm defining success the wrong way. I'm evaluating myself based on something they're doing. You don't have to do that anymore. Why, don't we, why, do, why doesn't the church just try to do something that can look at the world and say, you, come on, you, you be like us. We're not trying to run and be like you. We're going we're gonna, to, you be like us. Let's just, let's start hearing from God. And let's start doing some creative work 
in the Lord. And, and let's let the sounds of the church and the, and, the, and the manifestation of who we are as the church and our lives as the church and let the world look at it and say, I want what you got. For us, to, for us to say that we're going to live our lives and our marriages and our relationships, if we're going to live what we do as Christians like the world does it, then we're in trouble because the world is perishing. We have got to embrace our identities in him and get out from in front of the wrong mirror. Number two, you've got to declare, and there's only two things right here. Number one, get out from in front of the wrong mirror. Number two, declare God's affirmation of your identity. Declare God's affirmation of your identity. Remember, the, the price the Lord was willing to pay for you. The price he paid for you reveals your worth. He gave the best he had in heaven. There was nothing better in heaven than his son. And he gave his only begotten son. Do you understand? Because he gave his son, and because it was so much, it reveals your worth. How many times have you heard it said, if you were the only one, Jesus would have died for you? That reveals your worth in God's mind. Think about this. Only human beings are created in his image. Nothing else in the world is created in his image except human beings. We are the ones that carry the image of God in us. Not only that, think about this for just a minute. When, when we enter into covenant relationship and we procreate, we procreate his image. When that baby comes forth, that's in the image of God. Incarnation, when Jesus came and took upon human flesh. Do you understand? He didn't, he didn't take on the flesh of a lamb or a goat. He didn't take on any other animal or any other thing. He became a human being. Do you understand? When God sent his son, he put him in human form. You need to understand, man, in God's mind, you're worth a lot. You're worth salvaging. You're worth reaching out to. You're worth loving. You have value in him. Other people may throw you away or throw you out, but the Lord doesn't want to. You say, I feel like I'm the only one. No, you're not. He's with you. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He will not leave you nor forsake you. I'm going to give you a little acrostic here real fast. I want you to write, you can write this up and down. It's an acrostic. An acrostic is when you take a word and then you use the, the letter of those words. Write the word special. Special. S-P-E-C-I-A-L. I realize we don't have spell check here this morning, so. Special. I'm going I'm to give you real quickly an acrostic here that's going to help you make your affirmations. Everyone say, I am special in Jesus Christ. Now listen to me. If you're not in Jesus, you're marred. You're, the image of God is marred in you. Now, that doesn't mean you're not of value because he, he still saw enough value to send his son and beckon you to come to be saved. But truth of the matter is, as you walk alienated and in sin, there's a marred image. So you're not special. I don't care what anyone says. You can, you can have a, a, you know, a, a boyfriend, girlfriend. You can have a boss. You can have somebody in your life and they'll look at you and say how special you are. And I don't know, I can't judge their heart, but you better know God thinks you're special. And here's the acrostic, the letter S of special. Write the word saint. 
saint. When you're in him, we are called saints. Hallelujah. I've heard that the Pope has to go through the old Pope that just passed away. He's got to go through a process in order to figure out whether they're going to declare him to be a saint or not. Well, maybe that's how it works in the Catholic Church. I got good news, though, for those of you that have opened up your heart to Jesus Christ. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1-2, I'm talking to those of you who are called to be the saints. I'm a saint. I beat the Pope to sainthood. Praise God. I, you did too. I can't believe you'd say that. I, you know, I, I'm not here to deal with religion. I'm here to tell you the truth. You're a saint. That's what the Bible says. We're saints. Letter P. You're a priest. A priest. Or depending on your gender, a prince or a princess. A priest or priest or prince or princess. We get tongue tied here. First Peter 2. I got to read some of these. Will you just let me take a moment? I can't flash them on the screen. Let me read them to you real quick. First Peter 2 verse 9. It says this, listen, receiving, whoops, I need to be in the right chapter. Chapter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Isn't that good? We are priests, princes, princesses. Galatians 4, verses 6 and 7 says that we become heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ himself. If he's the king and I'm an heir, that makes me a prince. Hallelujah. Letter E. Write this one down. Letter E. Enemy of Satan. You're special. Because you have become in him an enemy of Satan. In fact, the Bible says, if we stayed here in 1 Peter 5, verse 8, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, everyone say, my adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Satan is your adversary. His ways are your adversarial ways. Sin is your adversary. You're special to God. He doesn't want you marred, scarred, and dysfunctional. He wants you whole, well, and special in him. You're an enemy. Praise God, wear it like a badge. I'm an enemy. In fact, 1 John says, I'm at enmity with the world. I'm a friend of sinners. Sure I am, just like my Lord. But I'm at enmity with the system. I'm at enmity with the way it's organized. I'm at enmity with it. I, I am. I am. I know this doesn't get taught much, but we need to teach it some. Don't expect everyone to trip over themselves thinking you're all that. That is hostile environment there that you are called to go into in order to bring light into that darkness. You're bringing illumination. And here's the key. This is why whenever a Christian shows up, everybody gets irritated. Because when you're in darkness, it's like nobody knows. It's just hidden. Never thought of that before. Never even crossed our minds. We didn't even stop to ponder that particular issue. Then all of a sudden, Christian comes into situation. Light comes on the subject, and all of a sudden, everybody sees. Is it not amazing to you that you can just walk as a believer into a situation and people get uncomfortable? I mean, I find that fascinating. 
I find it fascinating that you can just begin to share little simple truths about your faith and everybody just gets... That's light. That's what happens when light comes in. It's because you're an enemy of darkness and darkness is an enemy of yours. And you've got to understand that. That's why you don't negotiate with it. You don't try to cut a deal with it, cut a treaty with it. You don't do that with your enemy. Amen. All right. Letter C, child of God. Child of God, and you can put slash citizen of heaven. That's why you're special. John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 12, it says that as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be the children of God, the sons of God, the daughters of God. You're a child of God. You're one of his own. In Philippians 3.20, it says that we now have a citizenship in heaven. My citizenship, as much as I appreciate my country, as much as I appreciate America, and I'm glad that I live in America, but my citizenship ultimately is not in this nation. My citizenship is with another kingdom. And let me say this, that when, that when the constitution of this book collides with the constitution of this earthly nation, this constitution wins. Say, well, that sounds seditious. No, it sounds Christian. Because my king is Jesus. And the good news is, so far, I've been able to live with him as my king and not at enmity with my nation. But folks, there are people right now, Christian brothers and sisters in China and in the Sudan and in Muslim nations. I'm telling you right now, they are living out their faith in a hostile nation in a hostile territory and they had to make the decision are they are they nationalistic or do they yield to the king i'm here to tell you we better get it in america because there will be a day if not this generation another generation will face it there will come a day when we're going to find out if we want to be christian or we want to be american now i'm glad we can be both currently but there may be a day you may not be able to be both and when that day comes, you better know that you've signed up for the right king. Child of God, citizen of heaven, letter I, in Christ. You are in Christ. When you open up your heart and receive the Lord, you are in Christ. You are in him. You aren't, you aren't this, 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 this ugly duckling. You are in him. You aren't this worthless piece of human protoplasm. You are in him. In him. Can you think? I am in him. I'm seated with him in heavenly places. I am in him. He is in me. That makes, that makes a, for your unique relationship. That's, that's something exceedingly special. Letter A. You are an adopted son or daughter. Adopted son or daughter. You can also put, if you want to put for an A in there, I wrote down alien to this world. Alien to this world. We've been adopted into his family and once we're adopted into his family we become aliens we are the aliens on the earth if someone looks at you and thinks you're an alien just say praise god i'm living up to what i need to live up to we should be aliens you're right i don't think like you think i don't talk like you talk i don't live like you live i don't do what you do i don't apologize for that i don't want to embrace destructive behavior i don't want to be led down a path that's going to end up taking me off the cliff I don't want to destroy myself. I don't want to. I don't really want to. You don't want to. I love you. I'll reach out to you. But no, I'm not you. I'm in him. 
I'm in him. Now, there should be a confidence. I'm not talking arrogance. I'm talking confidence. Why won't we be confident about who we're in? We need to be confident that we are in him. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. See, when we get confident of that fact, then we, we are just a little, a little bit different. And yes, we're a little bit strange. We are an alien. We, we are the aliens. We are the Martians. We are the ones that came from another universe. Yes, we are. It just might as well just say, yes, we are. We, we won't look, talk, do, feel, speak. No, we won't. It'll, it'll be different. I'm not trying. I, listen, you don't even have to try to be peculiar. I know there are some people do their best to be weird and strange. I'm not saying you have to do something that you try to be weird and strange. If you just, if you just live Christianity out normally, you'll be strange enough. Amen. And then finally, letter L, light of the world. Light of the world. You are the one right now. God redeemed you. He loves you. He created you for a unique purpose. You're special in him. And he sends you now into the world as the light. You are the one that brings light. Don't you wait for someone else to bring light. You're the one that's called to bring light wherever you are. You're called to bring light. You're not called to somehow look a little bit like the darkness and be this stealth Christian. You're called to be the light. I'm not telling you to be obnoxious. I'm just telling you to be light. I'm not telling you to do something that just super alienates everyone, but I'm telling you it's time to be light. It's time to shine. It's time to, it, you don't have to be mad. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to be cantankerous. You don't have to be obnoxious. You just have to say, I'm just going to throw, I'm just going to throw my light on it. And here you go. You're special. No one else brings light. Do you understand that? No one else will bring light except those that have their identity in him. So this is what we need to do. And I'm just going to go down this list and I'm done. Satan says this. He says, you're rejected, but God says you're accepted. Satan says, I want you to carry the guilt and the burden. And God says, I want you to accept my forgiveness and my deliverance and my release. Satan says that you're unworthy of anything that God has for you. And the Lord says, no, you're worthy of everything I've got for you. Satan says you're inadequate, you can't do it, you will fail. God says you are more than a conqueror, you're an overcomer, and you're victorious. The enemy says that the Lord has abandoned you, he doesn't love you, he doesn't care about you, he doesn't even know who you are. And the Bible says that God is with you all the days of your life. The enemy says to be anxious, be filled with worry, be fearful, and God says, fear not, worry not, be anxious for nothing, I'm in charge. Who you signed up with? I'll tell you who I'm signed up with. In Christ. Amen. And let me just say this, some will tell you in, those, yeah, I, I know God, I love God, no, say it, in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. I'm glad you love God. I love God too, as long as it's Jesus Christ. Are you hearing me? That's where you get your identity, not in this. I listened the other day. I'm just going to say it out loud. I won't, I won't speak names, but I'll say it was locally. It was at a local governmental meeting where a person at the meeting said these words. They said, well, it really doesn't matter if we have a Christian minister or a Muslim or whatever religious faith, we're all praying to the same God. Well, I'm just sorry, I will alienate somebody, but I'm just here to tell you, 
No, I'm not praying to Allah. Hear me, I'm not praying to Buddha, and I'm not praying to the cow who was my granddad. I'm not praying over pyramids and crystals. I'm not. I'm linked to Jesus Christ. And if you want me to come pray, that's the only person I know to pray to. You say, has that ever happened to you, Pastor? Yes, it happened once. Somebody said they wanted me to come pray and open up an event. And they said, now you understand we're going to have people of all faiths, so you can't utter the name of Jesus. And I said, then you don't want me. Because I don't know anyone else to pray to. I don't. You say, well, you didn't get that opportunity. No. I, my identity isn't going to the big event. My identity is in him. My identity isn't getting my face on television or on a magazine. I mean, that's great if it happens, and that's wonderful, but that's not my identity. My identity must be in him. My identity isn't even what you think, although I really want you to think well. You don't know how hard that is at times. I want you to think well, but that's not where my identity is. It can't be. My identity's in him. It must be. So it must be for you. That's the only way we're going to make it. Amen. Stand with me, please, will you? Holy Spirit, right now I ask that you would begin again to work on your people here, those that have gathered and joined us. And that, Lord, you would just begin one more time to open our eyes to who we need to be linked to and where our identity is. Lord, we will never be whole people until we understand we are in you. So, Lord, I pray right now, especially for those that have feelings of lack and inferiority, those, Lord, that may feel like they're worthless and they deal with esteem issues. Lord, I pray right now that somehow or another you would lift their eyes through these words and cause them, Lord, to see that they are of worth because of what you've done in them. And Lord, there may be some here today that really do struggle with those feelings, but the reason they do is because they never got in you. And so, Lord, I, I want to make sure that we're not assuming anything that Shouldn't be assumed, but Lord, I pray this morning that if there are those that need to say, you know what, I've, I, I need to be in him, in him. I've been around him, close to him, but maybe the, this morning's the morning we need to be in him. I pray right now, Lord, for those people that maybe have never made that decision, need to renew that decision, need to somehow settle that decision. Lord, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you begin to work on them with every head bowed right now, every head bowed. Guys, if you can put a little music on, that'd be great if that works. I don't know what electronic stuff we have, but if you can, that'd be great. But right now, I want you to know that God loves you. He cares about you. This, this, isn't, about, this isn't about getting just your fire insurance. It isn't just about getting you know, your uh, eternal destiny. Those issues are of incredible importance. But right now, I'm dealing with where you're at. I'm telling you that this is so practical that right now where you're at, if you would step in him, you can settle, you can settle a lot of what's going on inside of you. If you just say, Lord, I yield. I yield to you. I, 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 I move towards you. Come in me and let me be in you. So with every head bowed right now, if you, if you really want that, if you want to be in him, if you've never made that decision, if you've never 
taking a step out in front of people, I want to encourage you right now. Why don't you just make that decision right now and break off that junk that's been on you and the worthlessness and the inferiority. I mean, God values you. The Lord wants you. He died for you. Right now, right now, you can, you can settle all of that. How about it? If you need to get something straightened out about being in him, if you've never made that decision right now, I want you just to slip out. I want you to just come join me. I'm standing here. I just want you to come join me right now. That's you right now. In him. In him. In him. I'm in him. I'm in him. In him. God bless you. Here's one. Is there another? In him. In him. In him. I want to be in him. Here's two. Is there another? In him. I want to be in him. There's three. Is there another? In him. How about it? How about it? Short little walk and you can just get some things settled. Lord, help me be in you. In you. Holy Spirit, I sense your, your movement here. And the last thing I want to do is to abruptly stop what you may want to do. But Holy Spirit, I ask that you would really draw right now, that you would, you would really, really draw right now. Lord, I, I can't do this, but I ask Holy Spirit, I intercede right now that, that your gentle wooing, which you're always so good at, would now turn into really dramatic, important tugging. Draw people now in Jesus' name, in him. Are you in him? In him. I want to ask everybody in him. Are you in him? In him. How about it? In him. I can only tarry just another moment or two. Don't, don't yield. Don't re excuse me. Don't resist. Yield. Yield to what God's doing. Don't resist him. Don't grieve him. I'm going to tell you something. When you resist the Spirit of God, it gets easier to do that. And you don't want to get and ease in that area. You want to be able to say, yes, I, I, I want that. I, I want what God's got for me. I want, to, I want to nail some things down today. Before we're done, I've only got just a few more moments. Please, please, please. If he's knocking right now, I can only give you just another moment. I'm going to ask some of our guys and ladies, you gather around these and just let's support these that have come and the congregation, we're going to pray together right now. And those of you that have come down front, I want you to especially link up with me as I pray. And I want you to bring your sincerity. But as we do this together, congregation, I know some of you right now, you needed to be reinforced and, and, and encouraged as to who you are in Christ. So we're all going to do this together. So everybody lift their voice right now and say, Heavenly Father, I confess now. There's been distance, and I felt worthless. But I'm stepping out of that and into you. Thank you this day for reminding me that in and of myself, I'm nothing. But in you, I'm special. Help me, Lord to walk as a child of God. Lord, I confess now 
all sin and rebellion that has tried to destroy and lead me astray. I repent from that and I look towards you and I ask you come in and set up your kingdom renew in me a right focus I break in the name of Jesus those false mirrors that have been before me and now I put my eyes on my God and King Jesus Christ I declare in him I am accepted in him I am forgiven in him I am worthy in him I'm an overcomer in him I'm a conqueror in him God is with me in him I don't have to fear in him I can do all things. And Lord, I believe that. Confidently, not arrogantly, confidently, I receive the knowledge that I'm special. In, in Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a big hand. Yeah. Praise God. Now, guys, we're going to pray, and maybe we can slip over some of the guys. Let the guys can, can, Clay, how about taking him toward the guy side here, if you don't mind. I'm sorry, ladies. And they're going to, I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm the one that's messing people. And, and we just want to confirm and affirm you. And so they're going to pray one more time, and I'm just going to work with the congregation, and then we'll be released. But, Lord, I pray right now that you would cause this people to be that royal priesthood that holy nation, that peculiar people in you. Lord, let, let that knowledge of who you have created us to be in you, let the image of God begin to flow from our lives in order that we might be a winsome, attractive demonstration to the world. Lord, we're not going to win them, Lord, like MTV wins them. We're just not going to win them just because we've got the technology flashing. You showed us that this morning. But, Lord, we're going to win them because you're living big in us. So, Lord, I pray for this congregation that you would cause the Spirit of God to live big in your people. And I release them with that commission to go out and, Lord, be who they were created to be in you in order to reach a needy harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord another hand. God bless you. And you're released this morning. We'll see you next Lord's Day. God bless you.